we'll kind of get to jump right in today. I've been excited about this new sermon series for a while now. And so uh, let me just ask you as we start off this morning, how many people in here have ever had a conflict with a family member, a co-worker, or a friend? Wow, you guys are messed up. <laughs> let, let me, how many of you have unresolved conflict with someone in your past? <laughs> All right. This is pretty much the human condition that we live in, Right. That it's just part of life that you're going to just rub some people the wrong way. They're going to, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have disagreements. Uh, Often what we hope is that we're able to work through it. But then there's those times where no matter how hard you try, it just never seems to work out the way that you want. Well, Uh, The problem is, to me, when I look at this, Christians, more than anybody else, should know how to resolve conflict. We should know how to be able to be uh, to, to, to be able to reconcile with other people. Why? Because we've been reconciled to God. And so this series is going to be be all about how to resolve everyday conflict. Now, uh, I took a seminary class. uh, It's been close to 10 years ago now. Um, and it was one of my favorite classes I ever took. Um, you've got all those kind of f- philosophical classes and classes that are kind of deep in thought. This was um, a class that was called uh, Team Leadership and Conflict Resolution. A real boring title, but it was an, an amazing class. And one of the textbooks we had to read uh, was a book called The Peacemaker by an author named Ken Sandy. And it's like, you know, 400 page book. Uh, and, but it was so good because it walked out, it kind of worked out how you could be a peacemaker. And I never really thought about this, but, uh, you know, it, it kind of differentiated between being a peacekeeper, which is what a lot of us do. We just go along with everything just to not rock the boat and a peacemaker. And, a, and, and the basic premise of the book is he talked about how to be a peacemaker it's an active process, and there are certain steps you take uh, to, to, to be able to make peace in, in, the, in the midst of conflict. Now, what was interesting is a few years ago, the same author that wrote that huge 400-page textbook came out with another book called Resolving Everyday Conflict. Uh, and what it is, it's a shorter book, right? That's always good. More condensed book written for the everyday person and so when I saw that he had a book on that, immediately I thought, man, this, I need to do this as a sermon series sometime. And, and if you've attended Cornerstone for a while, you know we kind of bounce around. I like doing uh, book studies or expository studies of Scripture where we take a book of the Bible and kind of walk through the book and explain how things work. Uh, From time to time, we'll jump in and do more of a topical study where we'll take a topic in Scripture and and break it down. And and then occasionally, I don't do this very often, I'll just, I love taking a book and walking through it. So I want to give you kind of the opportunity as we start off. uh, If you want to go, if you want to dig deeper in what we're learning, then read the book. It's on Amazon, Resolving Everyday Conflict. Ken Sandy's the author. Uh, really an interesting book. If you're not a reader, uh, we have a video Bible study service called Right Now Media. 
Uh, and you can sign up for free on that on our website, and it gives you access to tens of thousands of Bible study videos. There's a Bible study video that goes along with this as well. Uh, and so it's an eight-week uh, or eight-session study, uh, but it's on resolving everyday conflict. So uh, those are some opportunities to take what you learn and, and, and go a little bit deeper. Now, so what he does in this book, he lays out a four-step process based on Scripture on how to resolve conflict. And so we're going to be digging into Scripture today, talking about that, talking about conflict in general. Um, and so a lot of what I'm sharing today is going to be from this book, but based on Scripture. And so I just kind of share that in, in, in advance. Now, I would say if you are a leader, and, and whether it's in your family, uh, whether it's in any organization, you could be a foreman, a classroom teacher, an administrator, you will learn very quickly that a big part of your job responsibility is helping people work through conflict. Would you agree with that? No matter where you work, um, people sometimes act like they're in kindergarten, right? They just don't get along, and you're like, why do I have to keep helping people work through conflict. Again, it's so common. What this series, I'm just telling you in advance, it's like having a superpower when you really learn how you can use the Bible, how you can use the gospel to help people work through conflict. It's amazing what you can see happen. And in and, and conflict, it's a normal part of life. can even be beneficial sometimes. But as long as you live around other people, you're going to find that your opinions, uh, sometimes your actions, uh, they, they're, they're going to bump up against someone else's and you're not going to get along. Uh, sometimes our personalities don't mesh real well. Sometimes uh, you'll just say something without thinking and feelings get hurt. And the next thing you know, people aren't talking to get with each other. There's conflict, all this stuff. And so what we want to do is we know how important it is that we are able to work through conflict as believers. And here's why. I feel like the world is watching us, Right. The world is looking at us and saying, if you are a follower of Christ and you act just like everybody else, then why would I need to go to church? Why would I need to, to be a Christian? Why would I need to follow this Jesus you're talking about when you can't even get along with other Christians in church? And the reality is that so many people look at church and their only experience, their only uh, way to evaluate church is it's a bunch of people who can't get along. <laughs> Because that's what they see in the news. That's what they hear about uh, and gossiping at, at, the, at the grocery store. They hear about another church fight or not, somebody else getting mad or somebody else leaving this church and going somewhere. It's so important that we learn how to point people back to God. How we can help see that relationships can be restored. Now, that's so important. Uh, Ken Sandy said this He's in the book. He said, many relationships are just too important to walk away from. Uh, isn't that true? I mean, you can't run from every problem in life. He said some issues are too big to give into, and some people just won't let go until they get everything they want. You add a variety of intense emotions to the mix, and conflict can get very messy and painful. And so what he says here, he says, I want to give you another way of handling conflict that you can use the rest of your life. Even though conflict is present in every part of life, I've seen peace come to the most hopeless situations. 
I've watched people learn to work through the most severe differences, turning frustration into opportunity. They overcome division. They enjoy harmony. Their anger gives way to love, mercy, forgiveness, strength, and wisdom. How do these amazing changes happen? They happen through a special kind of peacemaking. And so that's really what this series is all about. Today's kind of our introduction. We get into the first step a little bit, but if you're following along online and your notes, here's the first point I want to share. It's this whole idea of peacemaking. Peacemaking is applying the gospel and God's principles for problem solving to everyday life. And that may sound like, oh, of course, that's, that makes sense. So we take the Bible, we apply it to everyday life. But the reality is so many times when you're in the middle of conflict, the first thing we do, we don't go to God. We don't apply the gospel. Uh, we try to work it out. We try to figure it out on our own in our own strength. And I'm just telling you that simply does not work. Peacemaking, I mentioned this earlier, it's not keeping the peace. It's not just going along, not trying to rock the boat. It's not faking peace. It's not pretending like there's no problems when there really are. It's doing the hard work to glorify God as you work through your problem. And so in the Bible, what we see, God gives us this powerful way to respond to conflict. Our natural approach to conflict is to, to focus on what someone did to me. Can I just tell you, we live in a world and a society where everyone, I feel like it's almost become popular to become the victim. Well, so-and-so did this to me. Well, I can't believe they hurt my feelings. We, we take everything, we internalize it to such a point that we walk around as a victim constantly and we're afraid to, to, to work through the conflict. Now, we'll talk about there's sometimes that uh, there are things and I don't want I just kind of want to preface all this by saying, yes, there are very serious issues that sometimes simply cannot be worked through. I understand that. I know uh, abuse and assault and there's some there's some serious things out there. So uh, I, but I, I still think when we go to Scripture, it gives us a way to work through those issues. I still believe that God can help you, even in the midst of the, your deepest pain. And so that's really what we're going to do in this series. What God's approach begins with is understanding the gospel. Everything that Jesus did for us. So when you understand the gospel, and hear me on this, right? You understand what Jesus did for you. You understand how you were separated from God, how you sinned against God, and yet He forgave you. He went to the cross on your behalf. When you understand that, you understand His, uh, the, the, his, grace, his grace and His mercy that He extended toward you. It gives us the power to respond to people in a supernatural way. And so once we understand that, we can learn to start applying that. Let's look at Romans uh, chapter 15. There's so many scriptures I could use this morning, uh, but I, I want to open up with this. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of, G of Christ Jesus. So first off, I, I want you to see this is what God wants for you. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, he wants you to live in peace and harmony. Uh, then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In verse 7, therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Okay, if I had one verse that I, I want you to, to kind of focus on this morning, it's simply this. We want God to get the glory. We, that's the, the, if we can boil everything down uh, in conflict, it's like we've got to take the attention off of ourselves and put it back on God. And when we work through difficult situations, God gets the glory. It, it gives a powerful example of the gospel to the world around us. And then he goes on in, in chapter 15 to say, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a type of life, right? Instead of walking around hurt and wounded and sad and depressed and worried and anxious, why don't we walk around with hope, with joy and with peace because of what God has done for us? Why don't we walk around knowing that no matter what has happened to us or what we've done, that we find forgiveness in Jesus and we can extend forgiveness to others. This is the type of life that God wants for us. And so as we look in Romans 15, what we see, this is Paul telling us, right? This is how you live your life as a believer. This is what is expected for you. And so it, 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 all, it all comes down to, do you want to be a peacemaker? Or do you want to be a peace breaker? Do you want to be someone that causes conflict? Do you want to be known as someone who constantly creates drama and conflict? Do you look at your life and see a string of broken relationships and hurt people? Or do you look at your life and see the glory of God because of what he has done? This is what this is all about. So peacemaking, I'm going to tell you, it does not come naturally. You want to know what comes naturally? Getting mad, getting bitter, holding a grudge. That comes naturally, right? It's easy to hold on to something and be mad at everybody and anybody and to blame everyone else. It's easy. It comes natural to run away from your problem. You know, uh, just get mad. I'm going somewhere else. You quit your job or leave your church or leave your spouse. That's what a lot of people do when they get in the midst of conflict. It's hard work to do peacemaking because it goes against what's natural. But the more we draw on God's power, the more we wrestle with it, the more we get in God's word, the more effectively we can handle these disagreements that come up. So what is conflict? Let's kind of let's just go right in and give a definition of conflict. Conflict is, it, it happens when you are at odds with another person over what you think, won't, or do. You're, you're just at odds at someone. It may be because of something you think. It may be of something you want and you don't get. It may be over something you do. Uh, conflict can involve everything from small disagreements to huge disputes. It can result in hurt feelings, but it can result in damaged emotions, damaged property. It, it can really mess up a lot of stuff in your life. But I really think it begins when you don't get what you want. That's what the Bible says in James Listen to what James says in James chapter 4. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight. You wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it. All right? 
Because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That's not a very, I mean, you read that and you're like, that's a little cynical. That sounds a little depressing. I I mean, you get that tone when you read it too? You read that and you're like, this is like, but that's, again, that's the flesh, right? That's, That's where we are. That's what we're battling against. We, we fight, we quarrel because we don't get what we want. We don't get our way. I, I think back through my life in church and over the past 20 some years, or 20, or really almost 30 years, I think in, in church that I've seen and, and I, I, so many disagreements I've seen happen because people don't get their way. It could be over everything from the color of the carpet or the colors you paint the, the wall over to uh, the music style, how loud it is, or uh, whether you turn the lights on or off, or whether you, uh, you live stream or you don't live stream, whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask, right? People, it doesn't matter what it is, people, if you don't agree with them, it starts conflict. That's the world we live in. And people don't get their way. It causes disagreements. And so as Christians, I know that we can rise above this. I know that, you know, you think about this. We're part of a spiritual family. But families still have conflict. Families still have conflict. Every family. I sit down. When I do pre-marriage counseling, we talk a lot about conflict because it's going to come. And one of the, the quotes that I've shared is that conflict is the price we pay for a deeper level of intimacy. That's a little, that's a scary thought. But conflict is, all right, if, when you work through it, it's the price you pay to develop a deeper level of intimacy. And so that's the amazing thing about this. It's painful. We don't like it. But when we work through it, we can look back on it and see how we've grown through it, how it's brought us together. And so, uh, I like in the book, he talks about this. He's, he's like, people are different. People want different things. And so, there's a spark there. There's a spark that can start a fire. That's the spark of conflict, right? You're different, different opinions, different personalities, different beliefs, different wants, different desires. And so, you get people like that. You throw them in a big room like we have here today. There's going to be conflict. That's the spark. But then the differences get worse when you let your selfishness, right, drive your reaction. So when you start saying, no, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do what I want. I don't care. You know, when we no, I want my way. I want you to, to, to agree with me. I want to win this argument. Right. That's the gasoline. Right. That's the gasoline uh, that, that gets thrown on the conflict. That's when it starts, the spark starts blowing up a little bit. It's when selfishness gets thrown in. And then, right, uh, when we allow our sinful desires to keep driving what we say and what we do, that's the fire that just keeps spreading. And so when you think about conflict like that, what do we have to do? We have to figure out how to break that cycle. We have to figure out how to, instead of pouring gas on the fire, we've got to figure out how to pour water on it. We've got to figure out how to quench it. We've got to figure out how to, to, how to not let that thing blow up. And, and I'm just telling you, um, if you're married, you know this. You know if you're married that sometimes you can fight and argue over the stupidest things. 
I think back to some of the biggest arguments Jennifer and I have had, and I can't remember what they were about. Are you with me? I mean, you look back and you're like, man, we were really mad at each other. What was that about? I don't have a clue. I just remember what I said and what I did and stomping off and getting mad. And what was that over? I can't remember. It wasn't important. I mean, but the, our response when it's driven by our selfish motives. And I'm just telling you, we're all selfish people. Uh, I mean, I hate to break it to you, but it, it's, you know, it, it's hard sometimes to not be selfish. And, and so when we're selfish, it, you just see things blow up. I see this in churches all the time. I've talked to other pastors. We've experienced here in the past, you'll see someone not get their way, and the next thing you know, they're gone, and you're like, what happened to them? We're like, I don't know. They just got mad over so-and-so, and, well, did we talk to them? Well, we tried. We tried to work through. No, they were just gone. They ran away. And that breaks my heart when that happens in any church. And I'll just tell you, right, if, if I don't want Cornerstone to be a place where people get mad at another church and they run here. And if you're mad here, I don't want you to run to somewhere else. I want you to work through the issue. Now, there's times when people say, well, this God has led me to this church. I understand that. But you can't, don't just bounce around because you're unwilling to work through a problem. That's not, you know, that's not the, the way of, of following Christ. And so I'll just share this. What happens in conflict? You, you've got a choice to make. Uh, one of the choices, and you see this, and you see people bounce around, is you can escape. You can escape. What is escape? Escape is denying that there's even a problem. Escape is running away, going somewhere else. The, those are uh, kind of your escape motive. I mean, that, that's the methods of escape. You, you deny, you, you run away from your problems. Or the opposite of that is you attack. What is attack? Attack is you blame you just start blaming. Well, it's not my fault. Someone else did this. I'm, you start blaming everybody. So uh, you start blaming. Or to an extreme, it even goes to assault. That's why, that's why you get in fights. Right? You think back to, to middle school. Why so you got in a fight? Or hopefully you're not getting into fights as adults, but there's a lot of people that do. But you think about fights. It's because someone did not get their way. And their response was either run away from the problem or attack it. And the attack is blaming or assaulting. And you can assault with words, right? You can assault with words. You can assault physically. You, you see uh, this play out. So what do we, we've got to do, instead of those two extremes, we've got to go in the middle and we've got to make peace. We've got to figure out this, and that's what this, this series is about. It's how we go through that process. And so when conflict happens, the escaper, they just focus on running. They want to run away. The attacker, their focus is, I'm going to win. I want to win this thing. I'm, I'm going to win this argument. I don't care what happens to the relationship. As long as I win this argument, then, I'm, uh, then, then, then that's what makes me happy. But the peacemaker's goal is reconciliation. It's restoring. It's repairing. It's going through that damaged relationship and doing the hard work uh, to glorify God. And so the good news is that conflict doesn't have to make you miserable. Why? That's my next point. The whole theme of the Bible is reconciliation. When you look at the Bible, the grand theme of the Bible, it is reconciliation. You only have to read just a few pages into Scripture, and what you see 
is mankind leaps into sin. They experience separation from God and from each other. But the the whole rest of the Bible is about reconciliation, about how God has made a way to bring us back to him, to connect us with each other. Uh, and, And we see how in the end, God restores even creation to the way it was intended to be. No more pain, no more sickness, no more sorrow. Uh, We see that he restores us. He reconciles us to him and to each other. Uh, And so that's really the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, powerful passage here. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I love this passage because it's the gospel. It's known as the great exchange that takes place. Christ takes our sin upon himself. In exchange, he gives us his righteousness. In exchange, we become son and daughters of of God. We, We become adopted into his family. We're forgiven of our sins. We're justified before God. We're brought into his family. This is the gospel message. And so through faith in Jesus, we've been reconciled to God, adopted into his family, and empowered to love others. That's the gift that we've been given. Colossians says it this way. It says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You are his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So understanding this gospel, it's so central to understanding how we go and make peace with others. It is so central to understanding how we resolve conflict. Tim Keller, a pastor in New York, he said this. He says, all change comes from deepening your understanding of the salvation of Christ and living out of the changes that understanding creates in your heart. Faith in the gospel restructures our motivations, our self-understanding, our identity, our view of the world. And so when we understand how we've been forgiven, how we were separated from God, and yet Christ made a way, How all of that stuff, our evil thoughts, our evil desires, all of that has been taken care of through the cross. That enables us now to go and be ambassadors of reconciliation. That enables us now to work through our issues. Our problem is not knowing the right thing to do, but to to having the power to do it. Right? I mean, we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't want to. Why is that? It's that battle that's taking place inside of us. And so when we understand, right, that, that what Jesus has done, it changes our motivations. When we reflect deeper into the gospel, it changes how we view others around us. 
It makes us realize that this life, it's not about me all the time. It's about how I treat others. It's about love. It's about forgiveness. It's about the gospel. So it changes us. And so we have to admit that in our own strength, we're going to have trouble doing this. But it's only when we, it's only when we find our strength in the gospel that we can. And so what I, I want to give you kind of the, the, the first point. There's a four-step process. Here's the first one today. Conflict is an opportunity to, to go higher and to bring God into your situation. This is where this whole process of conflict resolution starts. It's getting God involved. And again, you're, you're like, Mike, okay, that's a given. I mean, this is kind of the Sunday school answer, you know, where Jesus has answered everything. And I, I get that. But here's what I want you to realize with me is when we, we know that, but how often do, do we do that in the midst of conflict? How often is the first thing we do is to take it to God and to bring God into the middle of it? How often do we try to figure it out on our own? How often do we, uh, where do we go for our answers? How often do we pick up the phone and start gossiping and asking our friends? Uh, well, it's a prayer request. No, it's gossip sometimes, right? If they can't fix it, if, if, they're, if, if you're talking to someone and they don't have the power to fix your problem, they're not involved in it, it's gossip. It's not venting. It's not just, I, I needed someone to talk. To. You need someone to talk to. Bring it to God first. Go to prayer. Get him involved. Uh, what Ken Sandy says in this book, and it's so, I mean, it's so, it's so simple yet so profound. He says, as long as we leave God out of our situation, we can expect to stay stuck in conflict. If we, if we don't bring God into it, we're going to be stuck there. And so our first priority in any situation is to glorify God through our actions. And so it, it just stopping, pausing for a minute, it, it's so important when we're in conflict. Uh, he says in the book, one of the most valuable things you can do in conflict is to simply stop. Just as you are about to say something or put conflict over the edge, just as you're about to cause relationship wreckage, that's the time to simply stop and ask yourself, how can I please and honor God in this situation? Can I say that again? It's important. How can I please and honor God in this situation? Just to stop, right? In the military, they call that what a tactical stop or a tactical pause, it's stopping right before, even in the midst of the action to, to assess the situation. In leadership, you, you, you learn to look, listen, and think uh, before a decision is made. And, and so what this is, it's just stopping uh, before you say something that you will later regret. Before you throw gasoline on the fire, it's stopping to say, okay, God, how can I honor or please you in this situation? How you're taking it to God. That's the first step. It's to go higher. It's bringing God into the situation. If we want to please and honor God in every situation, we've really got to think about what Jesus said is the most important thing for us. When he was kind of cornered and, and pressured and said, okay, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, they were trying to trick him. And okay, what's the most important law out of all of scripture? What's the most important thing? What did Jesus say? Matthew 22, 
When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so when Jesus, when he's looking at everybody and everybody's trying to trick him, he's saying, you've got to treat others, right? You've got to love them. You've got to treat them as your neighbor. And if you go on, the whole story of, uh, of the good Samaritan was about who is your neighbor. The answer is it's anybody you come into contact with is your neighbor. And so it's crucial to realize that you either glorify God or you glorify something or someone else in your life. You're always making something look big. And in conflict, it just it, it, it amplifies that. In conflict, you're either trying to, 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 to lift yourself up or to lift up something or someone. We've got to realize, are we really truly lifting God up in the midst of all of this? And so I love what he says in the book. He says, your best way to keep living for God is to continually ask yourself questions that bring your focus back to him. How can I focus on God in this situation? How can I please and honor God in this situation? How can I pray? How can I bring praise to Jesus by showing that He has saved me and is changing me? That's, that's how we get through conflict. And that's the first step. Now, there's several other steps we're going to be talking through. Uh, but I, I, I kind of wanted to, to just share one more thing with you this morning. And, and it's simply this that sometimes the best way to respond to conflict is to overlook the offense. There's going to be times that we're mad, we're upset. I want to get even. I want to get my way. I want my voice to be heard. I want to say something. And there's a lot of times we've got to say, ask ourselves these questions, okay? How can I bring glory to God? How can I please and honor God? How can I show the gospel? The, the best way to do that sometimes is to keep our mouth shut. This is hard, right? And so... Uh, I, I would say this. Um, he says this. He says, if significant and ongoing harm is being done to us or those we love, then, then overlooking it's not an option. But when it is an option, what it does, it brings the conflict to an end before it even starts. In parenting, you call this choosing your battles. <laughs> right? There's times that you have to just say, I want to say something. I need to say something. Is it worth it? Is this the battle I want to create right now? That's, that's, that's true in our Christian life as well. Psalm 103 says this. It's, it's just as simply, is it worth fighting over? The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. So when you overlook another person's fault, you de you're deliberately deciding to, to, to not to, to hold it over them, not to keep thinking about it. You stop replaying the situation over and over and over again in your mind. You quit talking about it. You choose to let it go. Overlooking means you choose to fully forgive a person without any further discussion or action. You don't have to bring it back up. 
And so I, I just share all of that. Um, it just this is hard. This is hard work. I don't know if you've ever read uh, much about Corey Ten Boom, but she tells a story, and, and this has always stuck with me. But um, if you know her story, she was uh, imprisoned in in a and 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 during the Holocaust um, uh, for hiding Jews uh, in her house and um, and after and she survived uh, her sister did not she survived but she was speaking at a church after the war and talking about forgiveness and and she she said uh, she said this quote she said when we confess our sins she said God cast them into the deepest ocean they are gone forever. And she was speaking to a church about this, and, and, during, and at the end of the service, a guy started walking towards her, and she looked up and recognized him. Have you heard this story? Anybody heard this story? Okay, a few of y'all have. She's, the guy started walking towards her. She, she recognized him. He was a guard at Ravensbrook, one of the concentration camps. And he came to her and just, he said, and, and he didn't know she recognized him. But he's like, God has saved me. He's changed me. I'm so thankful for what you just talked about, that he has forgiven my sins. And he just reached out his, his hand to her and said, will you forgive me for, for all the evil things I've done? And she was standing there and like, how would you respond, right? How, I mean, you look at the horrors that happen. And, and she talks about this, that she just physically couldn't raise her hand to shake his hand. She was, this battle was going on in her mind and, and event, and she was praying, God, what do I do? Give me the strength. And, and she's like, she said it was almost like supernatural. Her hand just raised even without, it was like God took over and she shook his hand and, and forgave him and, and just saw the relief come over his face and he walked away. And, and, and the reason I share that when you start viewing some of the problems we go through in life and what we get mad about, and we're unwilling, uh, unwilling uh, to work through the issues, how insignificant compared to that, right? And then when you take it another step farther, you look at what Jesus did for us on the cross. He took the sin of the world upon himself so that we could be forgiven by God. That's, that's where conflict resolution starts, right there. And so I just want to challenge you this morning, um, as we close today, what is it that is unresolved in your life? Is there conflict that is unresolved? Is there someone that we need to start working through this process on? Uh, over these next, uh, this week and the next three weeks, we're going to work through this uh, together as a church. And my prayer, my hope is that as we go through this, we're going to be able to look back on the other side and say, God was glorified through what has happened here. God has been glorified. And so the first step is to bring it to God. And I want to challenge you, if you're here and you're not a believer, your first step is being reconciled to God so you can be reconciled to others. And it, the scripture just says simply, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the start of our relationship. When we make Jesus the Lord of our life, where we put our faith and our trust in him. Uh, let's pray together as we close today. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for the gospel. The gospel that saves us. The gospel that transforms us. The gospel that enables us to be restored back to you. So we can have a relationship with the God who created us. 
And my prayer today is that anybody that is here that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that right now in this place today would be the first step where they put their faith, their trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to save them. And so if you're here today, if you're watching online, you don't know Jesus, this is your opportunity. I'm going to ask while every head is bowed right now, right here in this place, would you make your first step back towards God? Would you just pray with me? Heavenly Father, I know I need, I know I need saving. I know I need rescue. I know that I've sinned and disobeyed and ran away from my problems and from you for far too long. So right now, here today, Lord, I want to change that. I believe that you died for my sin. I believe you died on that cross to pay the penalty that I so much deserve. And so right now, I want to put my faith, my trust in Jesus to save me. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse my heart and help me to live for you. Help me to, 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 to be able to work through these conflicts and problems in my life. Lord, help me by the power of your spirit living within me uh, to, to be able to respond to people in a different way. I want you to know this morning as we are all still in prayer that Jesus heard that prayer if you prayed it. While every head is bowed this morning, I, I don't do this often, but I want to do it this morning. Uh, if you just prayed that prayer, would you just simply slip up your hand to let me know so I could be praying for you this morning? Anybody here? If you're online, there's a button you can click. Hey, I prayed to receive Christ. Please let us know. Uh, it'll walk you through uh, a, a way where we can get more information to you. Anybody here? Heavenly Father, you are so good. You're so full of love and mercy and compassion. Uh, help us, Lord, to honor you through the way we live our life. Help us to be the people that when the world looks at us, they see Jesus through us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen.